1: He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell.
2: Allow myself to introduce
1: myself. And I'm Peyton Jones. And it looks like someone else has a sound effects machine. I did download it for 99 cents. And you must have a position just just right from the mic, because it's picking it up good.
2: Good, man. Awesome. I dig it. I'm, I'm going to be fighting the entire broadcast not to push every single button. I do that every time
1: I have the sound effects machine going. I got a story to share, and I'm not sure if I should share this on the Church Planner podcast, but I'm going to anyway, and uh, just know that if I have to edit it out, I will. So, last night, Barry and I went to go see The Expendables, which uh, Barry is the guy out here from the UK, from Wales, to learn church planning from Mr. Peyton Jones. Oh, uh-oh, uh-oh, too much static. My uh my cell phone's too close to the mic. Let me move that. So I think God doesn't want you to tell the story. You think that was God saying don't tell the story? Well, here's the funny thing. So we're we're going to the seven o'clock showing and we, we get to Long Beach Town Center around like six forty. Plenty of time for the movie, but we both haven't had dinner, so we run in to the food court to go to Panda Express to get some food, right? So we used to get some food. Seven o'clock, we go strolling over to the movie theater. And right before I left uh, the, the food court, you know, I opened up my fortune cookie, read it. I'm one of the strange guys who actually enjoys the, the taste of the fortune cookie, whereas most humans think it's just a horrible cookie. And uh, so we go, we get into the movie theater, and we're sitting in there. And all of a sudden, Barry goes, this is before it starts, right? The, the previews are starting to play. He goes, hey, what was your fortune? And I just started laughing because I realized in that moment I didn't know if he knew what we do here in the U.S. with fortune cookies. You know what I'm saying? Do you Uh know where I'm going with this? I know where you're going with it. You're supposed to add the words in bed to the end of every fortune you get. So I had to explain this to Barry, and he just starts laughing. He's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, I don't remember what my fortune was, because I always add in bed to the end of every fortune. I just remember it was a good one, right? And so he takes his out, and he reads it, and he's like dying. Everyone in the theater starts looking at us, and he hands it to me. And I don't even remember what it was, but it was because he added the words in bed to the end. So apparently I'm ruining people from Wales, and I'm I'm getting them to add in bed to the end of their uh, fortune. You yeah,
2: know, that's funny because a few weeks ago, he was over here and he he, he came and visited me, uh, hopped on the train, and uh, hopped off right in front of my house. And he wasn't feeling good. He had a sinus infection. So I took him to PF chains and got him that ginormous bowl of chicken soup. I did the same thing to him. And he forgot. He forgot? Really? Yeah. Yeah. I taught him that too. So we're both corrupting the internet. <laughs> But well, I, welcome, everyone in the U.S. To knows, knows to do that, right? Everyone knows. Welcome to the Church Planner Podcast, everyone. You add, this is in the bed show where we teach you bad things. To
1: the end of your fortune.
2: Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's funny because I know, like, there's certain people listening that are like, it's just wrong. It's just wrong. You guys are bad. You know, and, I actually, I disagree with that. I
1: believe those people left us long ago. <laughs> yeah. The people you know, we have I, listening I'm, to the show now, They they understand us. They are in tune with us, which is why our perfect. audience is so small. We offend right.
2: most people. Absolutely, and uh, if you're part of the Church of Christ, you just need to tune out right now. <laughs> turn, turn it off right now. Actually, he, there's us. almost every denomination I think you can name. But you know, it's funny because you know, often when when we're talking about this stuff, you know, um, it, it, it is just a part of uh, natural life. And I I don't know if if you know, it's not like we're doing like bad stuff. I think. Sometimes people need to um, to kind of relax a bit, you know what I mean? Just to uh, have people get uptight about it.
1: They are making diamonds. Now you make a diamond, right? Oh, no. It's a piece of coal under millions of pounds of pressure over thousands of years turns into a diamond. They are so uptight. They got a piece of coal, and they are putting all that pressure on it. and They're making diamonds, baby. Making diamonds. I like that. That's the cleaned up version, by the way. That is the cleaned up version. I think we should start over. <laughs> so, moving right along, before we get into the today's topic, which is going to be just a yet another uh exciting and happy topic, um we should mention that you and I have been tossing around the idea. We kind of want to put this thought out to the listeners. You know, I j- joke that we got a small audience. We've actually got the largest audience for any church planning podcast. Cause uh, we're the only church planning podcast that uh, is weekly. And um, so anyway, our thought was that we would start another podcast and that podcast would not be star Wars though. We have tossed around that idea as well, but the next podcast would be more of like a call-in show. So every week we would have an episode where one of our church planners uh, calls in and says, all right, here's the question that I got. Because it happens to you all the time. No one calls me for advice, which is kind of the the way I like it. I mean, don't get on my calendar. Get on Peyton's calendar. But, um, but that's kind of what we're thinking right now. Um, any thoughts you want to add
2: to that? Yeah, because what what happens is people end up going through the new breed site and they email it and eventually like an email come to me. And, you know, a lot of times I set up an appointment because it's hard for me to say no. When I see a church planner, it's like, hey, I got this issue or I got this problem. It's hard for me to say, hey, I'm too busy. And uh, the reality is this is what I do. So uh,
1: and that problem the, that they come to you with, they're not the only ones that have it.
2: No, and they're, they're usually problems that I think to myself, man, that, that needs to be talked about on the podcast. And often, be, you know, cause we talk almost every day, I'll say to you, hey, I had this call today. We ought to talk about this. And so the, the idea is that we have this call in show and what we want to know is how many of you guys would actually call in with your issue and, um, so that we could talk it. And it would be like a live call in and we would do the Podcast, so you would actually be on it, so we could uh, make fun of you in person, not just you know, uh, like in your absence, like we do. Uh, you know, Yanish, uh, who really has a false identity. I like to call Joey Roper. It's Yanush, by the way. Yanush. Yanush. I, I have to say it right. So the, the guy. O is, totally is hard,
1: baby. The O is hard.
2: Hey, I'm just saying he makes up fake identities, and I have to say is his real name right. Come on. Well, you know, along those lines, the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge has
1: been going all over the Internet. And literally, I was thinking for the longest time, thank goodness I'm not someone of note. I'm not anyone popular because I don't want to do this crap. And then within a half hour, you and White Tyrone both tagged me in your videos, of which, of course, I promptly ignored. And then um, Joey Roper tagged me in his video. To do the ice water challenge, to which my reply to Joey Roper is, I don't take challenges from people who don't actually exist.
2: So I don't think that one counts. That's what I'm talking about. Absolutely. And and the thing is, is I I like to think of Joey Roper as the rubber puppet, which in German, since he's in Germany, is Gumi pooping. Gumi pooping. What what does that mean? I don't even know what that means. It's the best word ever invented. Um, a gummi pooping is uh, the rubber puppet. During World War II, when uh, the Allied forces wanted to uh, confuse the Germans right before D-Day, they took a, a, a carrier plane, a cargo plane, a bunch of them, you know, put them up in the air, and uh, they dropped miniature, like half-sized mm-hmm. people made out of rubber, and little little 101st Airborne guys, mm-hmm. and so it looked like tons of people were paratrooping into France and, um, and the Germans, you know, when they went to go, you know, mow them down, they would drive out in their little Amtraks and boom, they'd find these rubber, uh, army men, you know, attached to parachutes and they dropped like hundreds and thousands of these things. See, when you said that they
1: were dropping little people, I, I thought, (laughs) I thought you meant the U S had gone back to the well (laughs) And it had taken little people, literally little people, doors.
2: Yeah. No, Well, that would be inappropriate. That was like your, you know, let's farm midgets for meat idea, which I told you would was not only highly offensive, but, you know, just wouldn't work because it's not, you know, it's not genetics. You can't farm breed and then farm them for meat, Pete. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> what are that. you talking about? Where did
1: so, this even go? This so
2: podcast is the, in trouble is my nickname for uh, Joey Roper because he's in Germany. So he's the Gumi Poopin, right? And Because, uh, you know, that's what the Germans, when they saw him, they're like, ah, Gumi Poopin, you know, they see him falling. So whenever I see Joey Roper, now it's Gumi, the Gumi Poopin speaks. And when I hear Hector Mora, who I once thought was real, but I begun to see through Janush's or Yanoshas, or how do you say it, Yanushi? So is that like one of those Japanese bowls you can buy, like
1: Yanushi bowl or something? It was funny when I was talking to him. He goes, "Yeah, people in Germany don't know how to say my name right either."
2: <laughs> that's awesome. And it probably is like German or something, right?
1: Uh, he told me I don't.
2: I think it's like Austrian or something. Ah, serves him right. See, I was ah. going to say Australian, but
1: uh, that's a different country. Now that I but, think about it,
2: here, here's a the deal. Then you got Hector Mora, who you, you know. Once we figured out who you know Joey Roper really was, then Yanush is like. Oh, I, I better invent another one. So he invents this character called Hector Mora. And so my nickname for him, since he doesn't exist, is Snuffleupagus. That's because right. if you remember, Sesame Street had Big Bird, you know, and Big Bird had this imaginary friend no one else could see. He was really big, and he was brown. And so that's uh, that's Hector Mora. He's
1: really he's big and brown.
2: That's really what you remember as Snuffleupagus? Snuffleupagus. The imaginary big and brown guy. He guys, was a woolly mammoth. Everybody knows who he was. Absolutely. So, you know, never listen. In fact, he tweeted, if you remember, um, you know, uh, Billy Madison is greater than Star Wars. And yeah, I that's tweeted push, back, that's push, never trust a snuffleupagus. That's, that's pretty much, that's almost blasphemous.
1: And the truth shall set you free. <laughs> I should have never told you what app that was on the iPad. I'm having a blast over I actually here. figured because it was 99 cents and knowing how uptight you are with money, I'm like, he'll
2: never spend the money. <laughs> it's not uptight. I'm actually quite frivolous. I just don't have it. Yeah. Well, okay. Here's the deal. Okay, so going, uh, going back to our subject today, um, we're going to talk about what Pete has today, which is schizophrenia. And we're going to wait a little bit to talk about because uh, Doug Teal called in and uh, our idea is working. But Doug, Doug Teal actually emailed and he said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm down with everything you said about call 911. Um, can you walk me through boom, boom, boom? And one of the things we should have said on the show. Can you walk kinda, me through boom, boom, boom? What,
1: uh, you you kind of left me hanging on the crux of the sentence. What does that don't mean? Don't you remember
2: boom, boom, boom from last week? No. Oh, because we're really clear, weren't we? We're like, hey, you got to do, um, you got to ask their their uh, intent and their ideation, right? So you're looking, you ask those two questions, and then he's like, right, if they answer yes about those, is call 911. Well, I would have as a middle step there, um, I would call, you know, just real life, practical. Now, I would, I, I, the bottom line was get help. Another route you can take is to call the suicide hotline right there okay cuz you're going to deal with this the reason this is important to church planning guys is you don't have a ginormous staff it's you yep All right you might have a team of guys your bivo you're going to come across every single thing like church planning is a hardcore education let's say you go on staff as an assistant pastor you're going to see a small fraction of what goes on in that church there will be a small percentage of people that go to that church, come through your office, and you counsel them. But, but maybe there's like the underlings that goes through them first. You know, if they can even get through the switchboard operator of, or or pass the receptionist, you know, nobody sees the wizard in a megachurch. So if they can get to you finally, then you might see you know some problems and um, maybe have to deal with this stuff. But when you're a church planner, there's no buffer. And you're dealing with frontline and you're going to encounter this stuff. And so, you know, maybe one of the more realistic things and a, and a, and a helpful thing to do is, yes, you may need to call 911, but don't forget about the suicide hotline. You can also call that. And what I recommend is, you know, if it's a severe case where the person's out of control, you call 911. And I should have probably, we were talking more to an extreme case, right? But if if somebody... You know, they're kind of more mellow and it's not as intense and they're, they're able to be reasoned with. Um, they don't seem to pose an, 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 uh, an immediate danger to self. Um, you can say, well look, you know, you've already told him I can't keep this secret. Um, you can say, well look, I'm going to call the suicide hotline right now. And I am going to talk to him for a minute. I'm going to hand the phone to you. I'm going to let you talk to him. Then you're going to hand back to me. And we're going to go with their recommendation. And that that might even be, you know, kind of a nice middle ground for you to deal with someone who has these problems. Because, uh, you know, if you just pick up the phone call the ambulance on them, that's, you know, that can be in some cases See, that's quite a, severe. That, I think, is a really good idea because
1: uh, you're going to feel... Like, under all kinds of crazy pressure, I mean, they just came to you, hey, I want to talk to you, and they're also going to feel like they can uh, debate you in what you say. Hey, you know, we need to call the hospital. We need to, oh, I don't need that. I mean, they're going to, because they have a relationship with you, they're going to feel like they can give you pushback, whereas, you know, we always joke that an expert is someone from out of town with a briefcase. That's the suicide hotline, Right. It's the yeah. expert from out of town with the briefcase. No one knows them. And if they say this is what you need to do, you tend to take what they say as as gospel truth. So I
2: kind of Well, like and, and if they say no, you know, you're not calling the suicide hotline because you say, look, all they're going to do is talk to you. And if, if they say no, and they'll give recommendations. They'll say, look, this is what we recommend. Boom, boom, boom. But if... Um, if you, uh, if they won't talk to you, then it, it, me personally now, I would tell them, I'd say, look, I, I did tell you that if you tell me that and it poses a danger to yourself or someone else, I'm obligated to contact the authorities. It, it's part of my role as a shepherd. Um, I don't want to appear to be betraying you. I'm actually looking out for you. I'm actually being your advocate, even though it may not feel that way. And so I would, I would really, really prefer to call the suicide hotline and have you talk to somebody rather than calling uh, 911 right now. So Doug Thiel, say, thanks for that, man.
1: Yeah, and if you don't know what the suicide hotline is, if you literally just Google suicide hotline, uh, Google automatically puts it up and says, yeah. you know, it's not even an ad. It just, you know, need help in the U.S., call this 800 number, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline.
2: So. And there's someone on there 24-7.
1: So you're, you're good. Wouldn't that and suck if you got them on their I coffee break? Them, I mean, not for me, but for Pete. Wouldn't and, that suck uh, if uh, you called and
2: they were on their coffee break? <laughs> that would suck. That You know, that would be pretty typical of uh, most things in my life. But so, luckily, Suicide Hotline is always there.
1: Yeah, and this must be run by a nonprofit, not by the government. Because if it was the government, you'd have a 30-minute wait, <laughs> and they'd be on their coffee break all at the same time.
2: Absolutely. So here's here's the deal. We are going to talk. Um, we're going to transition so far. We've talked about anxiety disorders. We've talked about um, depressive disorders and then we talked the tail end of that was suicide. Um, now we want to talk about kind of the uh, the pendulum swinging not from one extreme of anxiety or the other extreme of depression and these are opposites but one is caused by the way all, all of these things are caused by stress stress is the most significant factor in mental illness. So that's why you have anxiety disorders, and then you have depressive disorders. And depressive disorders are usually a reaction to anxiety. It's where the body shuts down uh, as a defense mechanism. So we've covered all that in our previous uh, How to Minister to Mentally Ill. And um, by the way, the mentally ill person is not uh, the person who walks around like a raving lunatic they're mentally ill, probably easily over half of your church at one time or other has been considered mentally ill. And that is based on the fact that probably over half of them are on medications for something, anxiety, depression, uh, maybe Prozac, maybe, you know, I mean, it's just, it's the reality, but we keep it. It has a stigma, so we keep it secret. So, just be aware of that. And when when you call it mental illness, I'm just going to keep saying this because you might have anxiety. You might go through a season of anxiety. The only way it's considered mental illness is when it interferes with your activities of daily living. In other words, you can't parent your children because you're so anxious. You have panic attacks. You can't get through a shift at work because you have a panic attack and break down. Um, you can't get out of bed in the morning or pay attention to your
1: your daily hygiene because you can't do the church planner you, podcast cuz you're, you're too
2: anxious absolutely so that's you know that's kind of it is you know you've uh, you you're just stopped from doing normal things but it doesn't mean that you're a stark raving lunatic or you're completely disabled um so there there are people walking around that that are on medication because they, they just feel that they can't get through a normal day. And that, I mean, that's just heartbreaking. Like, if you just step back for a second, think about that, that your congregation is struggling. Like, I, that's always the thing that gets me. This, this whole, uh, it wasn't until I became a psychiatric nurse and I watched people struggling. Nobody wants to be there. And, uh, it just, it's, it's hard, man, just to think that people are going through that all the time. So, okay, so, Here's the deal. We're going to talk about bipolar disorder, and bipolar disorder is frequently um, misdiagnosed. Um, you'll hear so many people. Maybe the guy's a total butthead, and he's doing buttheaded things, and nobody knows what to do. It's a, often people with behavioral issues get diagnosed uh, bipolar disorder because it's kind of the catch-all of well, we don't really know you know what this guy's problem is. Boom, we'll we'll say he's bipolar clinically and anyone who's worked in it in a psychiatric hospital and knows true bipolar disorder true bipolar disorder is it's where you fluctuate between periods of depression seasons of depression not like from day to day it's not like monday you're anxious tuesday you're depressed bipolar disorder is more prolonged periods of time where you swing back and forth on the pendulum and so you might be depressed for a little while and you don't get much done. You don't show up to work. You can't hold the job down. And then suddenly you get this burst of energy and your mind is going crazy nuts and you're moving around fast and you're getting stuff done. And so that's that's the difference. And that's that's where even the, the defense mechanism uh, of the normal person who gets anxious, gets burnout, and then goes into a depression that whole thing gets broken and their their brain is trying to correct itself, but it's it's broken. It can't reach what's called a homeostasis or the place of balance. And so they fluctuate. The chemicals just start going nuts in the brain and uh they 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 go back and forth. And so uh there are people that have um the you know seasons of, of manic behavior, which means that the brain literally is going too fast. And if you, some of the hallmarks of manic behavior are people that might walk out into public in very obnoxious, weird clothes, men wearing makeup. And I'm not talking about a transvestite. I'm talking about they're just super flamboyant. Um, they're very uh, grandiose. Um, there can be in, in a manic phase a break from reality. Um, there are businessmen. I know a friend who uh, gets up at three in the morning and goes to bed at one at night. That's usually a guy who's manic, and he is manic. How hey, you function? It, it's really weird. This guy. It's funny because he knows he's manic, but he is a bonds broker, and so he's always doing stuff, managing like billions of dollars and in, in, in stocks and bonds and um you know buy buy sell sell, and he loves it because he makes buttloads of money when he's manic. And then he's depressed. He just kind of rides it out. You know, he tells his clients, Look, you know, I'm gonna be um I only work the, you know, a little bit during the year. He tells them up front. He doesn't tell him he's manic depressive, but um <laughs> but that's what he does. He tells them I can make money for you for a season, but I only work this many months, and they're like, Oh, he must be really good, you know. So he will. He'll make people tons of money and uh and then he'll shut down. But yeah, he sleeps about two hours a night and he loves his mania because When you're manic, imagine your brain going 10 times faster than it does now, right? There are some Uh, people I wish I could get them at just
1: one and a half times speed because they are way too slow for me.
2: Right on. That's not me, is it?
1: No, no, you're not one of
2: those. It's usually. (laughs) (laughs) I just got to play this one because.
0: You're so ugly you can be a modern art
2: masterpiece. Yeah, full metal
1: jacket. Hey, you know, one thing I will say about something you mentioned at the very beginning said a lot of people are misdiagnosed. I had an experience with this with a, uh, a, a relative. My mother-in-law's, one of her sisters was in town. She was staying at uh, my mother-in-law's house, and I, she has issues. I mean, she definitely has some sort of mental issues. But she wasn't diagnosed as being bipolar. So I remember, like, for them to do something, they needed the diagnosis. So I remember they went to the family doctor and said, hey, I think my sister's bipolar. Can you talk to her? And, like, 20 minutes later, he gave her a diagnosis as bipolar. And I remember thinking, this just doesn't seem right to me. Like, you're going to tell me in 20 minutes you just figured out this person is bipolar? Yeah
2: yeah i mean on on average what they'll have them in their 5 minutes ask them a few questions and they'll think crap i don't know what's going on with this person and uh Here, here's bipolar because you know heaven forbid that the doctor doesn't know what's wrong with you right so to me and in, in in the in the uh on on the word i worked on right remember it was critical stability unit um we saw a true manic depressive. I mean, when, when you've seen it, you know it, right? So guys will be going so fast. They'll be running around. I remember this one lady and they do. They break. We're going to talk about reality distortion, um, you know, uh, disorders in a minute here where you break from reality. But, um, but, but the others so far, none of them do, right? Um, there's the schizophrenic disorders, uh, you know, which are where you break from reality, but everything we've talked, about so far. You don't. But this one is the one where you can get so high in a manic phase. You don't always go that high, but you, you hit a point where the brain's going so fast, it it enters into its own reality. And I can remember seeing this lady who was moving up and down. She was she would like to look at me and go, you're a cute boy. And <laughs> she's like 60 something years old. And she was a really large woman. And uh, she would wear these long flowing things and she'd be running around going uh, kind of like Ethel Merman. She'd sing these old like show tunes that I didn't even know. And she'd be like, you'll be good. You'll be great. Gonna have the whole world on a plate. And she'd like go around and she just like she was starring in a musical. And we only had 21 patients, but you knew she was there when she was on the word, you knew. and I'll never forget one day. Remember, she's a big lady and she was going to go get her electric shock therapy of course, you know, people are like, oh, my gosh, that's barbaric. You shouldn't do it. You think that until you've seen someone get it. And what it does is it's kind of like when you when you shock the heart, um, you know, with uh, a defibrillator, you know, when, you know, flatline someone flatlines and you you take the paddles and the defibrillator. Some people don't know what that is. And then you shock them. The the heart runs on electricity. Well, so is a brain. And it's just like you can reset the heart. It resets the brain. Uh, remember, we're talking about, you know, electricity firing across those gaps like can evil. So um what what happened was they told her uh, you're not and they couldn't even get the sentence out before she went aggro, went absolutely nuts. And this is a lockdown facility now. And she's manic. She's in an alternate state of reality. But as gone as she was mentally, she knew. I need my electric shock therapy. And when they started to tell her, all they were trying to tell her was, "Look, it's been canceled." And what they were trying to say was, "Today, it will be rescheduled tomorrow." But before they could even get the word "today" out, she freaked out. I mean, she was she was hard to subdue, um, and and she just went ballistic. And they, they had to you know put her in the rubber room, put a shot in her butt, tie a her. It was really sad. Wow, And then in the next day she gets her electric shock therapy and she comes back onto the unit and I'll never ever forget this. She comes on and she is normal and she's looking around the unit. Like I know this place and she looks at me and goes, I know you and she, and then the thought hits her like, Part of her memory remembers how you know the sexual comments, the inappropriateness, the the violence, that and she just started weeping. It was like she had she had like someone else had been piloting her body, and she woke up to reality. and And that's what happens is they get that and and they'll she'll be okay for maybe six months. Yeah, I was gonna say doesn't like, that
1: usually only last for like six months or so? The mm-hmm.
2: shock therapy. Well, and. Yeah, and and sadly, um, the, the the first time you do it, the more you do it, the less it works. Mm. It's kind of like with a with a a drug, a psychotropic drug for you know um, any mental illness really is only effective two to three years. So it, you build up a tolerance. Same thing with this, where whether it's there's tissue damage because there's a little bit of tissue damage every time. Um, the first time it's more effective and it lasts longer. Second time, slightly less effective, lasts a little bit shorter and so that goes on and so you know over over time it's not going to help as much and that's that's you know that's the sad part but uh people that are that are um manic it's hard because they're on a drug there's only really one drug that i know of uh, now this may have changed i haven't practiced for a good many years but um it uh, uh the drug back then was lithium salt and lithium uh had a very narrow dosage between what they call a therapeutic dose, which helps, and a toxic dose. So there's a very narrow window between when you uh, where you had to have the dose high enough to where it was effective, but if you went just a little bit higher, it's toxic to them. So that that's always it's a, it's a tricky drug. It's a salt. it 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 changes the body chemistry to begin with. and uh, it's it's just very, very hard. It's a very hard illness to treat. And, uh, you know, so usually when someone's truly bipolar, um, it's a brain chemistry, um, issue, they're probably going to have it for life. So what's your advice for a a church planning pastor or pastor in
1: general that's, Got someone who's bipolar, uh, what do you do? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So, so the, the bring thing, it home, buddy. Bring it home. Bring it home. Here we go. Yeah. So, okay, so let's say you're at church, you know, you're at the, you're in your church plant and some guy comes in or some girl comes in and they're just all over the room dancing because <laughs> that, that would be normal, right? Like they walk around and they'll start one sentence, not finish it, start the second, start the third, start the fourth and not finish. And, and it becomes what we call tangential thought. Where they're like, you know, they're talking to you, and they're starting to say, "I had a car once. Ooh, a bird, you know." And 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 they're just boom, 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 I all that over that the place. That ADD. No, because their brain can can basically hold ten conversations Squirrel. that their mouth can't. Squirrel. And so what's that? Squirrel. <laughs> so so what happens is? Uh, oh, and and by the way, Pete. From now on, you will speak only when spoken to. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> and so what happens is the, uh, the person will, um, they have what's called word salad, where they might say something like, online Susie baby salad, you know, and you're like, what? You know, and, and it, it would be like all 10 conversations are trying to speak through the mouth. And so we call that word salad. And it's just, it's neat. Like it's fascinating because their brain's going so fast, but they will be moving around so fast. They don't eat. They don't drink. They get dehydrated. Um, they lose weight. Um, you have, like they won't sit down to eat a meal long enough because, you know, uh, it takes, it's, it is like short attention span. It is like ADD, but it's extreme ADD. So you have to give them finger food. So what I tend to do when I have someone, it, you can't stop them. So when, um, like, let's say in the middle of your church, because this is, this is really what's going to happen. Um, you have to keep moving with them. They're not going to stop. You cannot say, slow down, slow down, slow down, or stop, stop dancing up front. What you have to do with someone who's manic is you have to enter their world. So you have to um, say to them something like, hey, I like your, like your moves. You say, Come come dance with me over here. Let's have a dance off. And then so in order to get them out in front of the worship leader, because I'll go up to the front. I promise you they will do the most flamboyant thing because to them, life is a party right now. They're having a blast. Right. So it's like a drunk person or a high person. They're just they're just going to be like that. So you have to redirect it. You're not going okay, to stop. Here,
1: here's the question, though. How do you determine if they're drunk, high or manic?
2: You may not be able to tell at first, um, but it will often look at, like, with so many mental illnesses, you don't know what in the heck's going on. And I would say cert- certain people, certain of our listeners, our planners, wouldn't be able to recognize someone who's high um, or someone who's drunk, maybe, unless they smell the alcohol. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, that's uh, true. The
1: alcohol is easy to smell.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so that one, that one's easiest. But, you know, a lot of times people are trying to figure out what in the heck's going on. And of course, they might think right away, that's the devil. You know, well, no, it's, it could be someone who's ill. You know, they've seen the school. You got very welcoming signs off around. It looks fun. They go inside and see a bunch of people get excited. You know, they're, they're just like a hurricane moving through your neighborhood. And, you know, they, they decide to come destroy your house of worship. And so the number one thing is you don't get mad at them. Right. They are a victim to this. Um, you're not going to slow them down. You have to walk with them. You have to move with them. If you want to talk to them, you go where they're going. You don't try to stop them. You don't say, slow down, slow down, stop, stop, stop. You you, you just have a dance off with of them. Redirect it. You're not going to stop the locomotive. You have to switch tracks. You have to derail the locomotive or change, change the tracks on them. And so you have to be enticing. You have to be pleasant. You have to be fun. And so that may not be your normal MO in church where, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, you're freaking out. Like, what's everyone going to think? You just got to go and, and focus on that person entirely and say, hey, come out here. And just, it doesn't matter what it is. Um, you, you just got to get them out. And so, um, you know, you, you have to enter their world. That's that's the only thing I know how to tell you. Um, it, other than that, you, you physically will have to grab them and move them out, and I do not recommend that. What do you do
1: with, and, and I, maybe we shouldn't go here, I don't know, but, okay, so that's someone who's manic. What about the multiple personality person? Like, how do you deal with that?
2: Yeah, I want to get to that, but I want to deal with that on another you podcast if that's cool All right. yeah that's cool yeah because it's it's quite a jump like when we talk about like we're going to talk about the schizophrenic person in a minute um and as far the as the difference between bipolar and see now you got me going on that maybe i'm mad well, right now what's what's well, schizophrenia? because yeah no that's a great that's a great question see this is this is what i'm saying is the bipolar is the person even though they're technically considered Part of the um, anxious, you know, disorder, or the the you know, and the depression, they're kind of in the middle. They're in the pendulum. Um, they they only occasionally have that break from reality when their when their manic phase gets high enough, when the brain gets overstimulated to a certain level. So not all bipolar people um, go into a phase where they they bend reality. Right? It's just the brain goes go so fast it can't process mm. what's in front of and a lot of this has to do with processing. So I want to switch tracks now cuz that, that's about all you can do guys. If and that's probably how you encounter it in your church. You're not really going to be able to treat a manic person's not going to come into you for counseling. They might in their depressive phase. Now you know what they may deal with and you can ask them questions like if they come to you. Um, like, so what happens when you get manic, you know, do you, how long does your manic phase last? How long does your depressive phase last? It's good to ask these questions so that you as their pastor will understand, you know, when are we not going to see you? Um, you know, because of what, and when you do turn up, you know, boom, boom, boom. And it's awesome. The number one thing is to have a relationship with these people. You have to be the person who cares for them because to be quite frank, imagine now uh, the manic person comes into your service and is dancing up front and boogying with a lampshade on their head. Um, what do most churches do? They get annoyed, they manhandle them, or they call the cops on them. And so now they're like, you know, as they're kicking the butt out the door, they're thinking, hope you never come back. Well, this is, this is a person that's not always like this. And you might have just roughed them up and manhandled them. And, you know, you, they're going to remember that. They will remember that. Like I said, when they come out of the manic phase, they will remember certain things. What I would do is be their friend. And, you know, so you might need to have a chat with your church and say, hey, that person's really ill. i sorry it messed up and inconvenienced your worship service. But, hey, guys, we're here on mission, right? We're going to try to build relationship with that person and track with them a little bit, find out what's going on in their life. Boom, boom, boom. And I think most churches could could understand that if it if it happened in the middle of the worship service. And even if oh, oh, you know, you gotta stop your worship service for a minute. Oh my gosh. Right? But some pastors freak out about that. Right? Because it's consumer Christianity. It's not missional. Yep, I get it. So, you know, don't don't bow down to the to the to the altar of the service, you know, the idol. So, okay, so going into the schizophrenic disorders, right? Um, did that answer your question though? Yeah, it did. Okay, so so schizophrenia, right? This is the one that everybody thinks of when they think mental illness, right? You think you hear the term mentally ill, and you automatically go to crazy person. And when we say crazy person, we're not thinking someone who deals with anxiety. We're not thinking someone who deals with depression. There are three main categories of mental illness. This is the third, but here's the shocker. 1% of the population has schizophrenia. Now contrast that with over 50% of the population in America has been diagnosed or prescribed a depressive uh, antidepressant drug. So now you're seeing it in perspective, it's not as common as you think, schizophrenia. Makes sense? Yeah, it's interesting. So you're you're dealing with a very small fraction of the population and it's not that extreme. Now, in this case, schizophrenia is a break from reality um, and, and it's to a lesser, a, a greater or lesser degree. Schizophrenia, there are different types of schizophrenics. Um, there is, you know, everybody thinks of, you know, the paranoid schizophrenic, you know. Um, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? You know. Um, See, I don't where, think about. It. I don't. I don't really
1: understand what schizophrenia is.
2: It's a break from reality. Well, so, but so th- what does that mean? Okay, so so oh, there's a couple a things that reality. happen. For example, no, no, it's fine because it it has to do with processing. So um, when the brain, your brain tells you what you're seeing, correct? So you look right now. You're looking at your computer. And imagine now you're looking at your computer and the only reason that you are seeing what you're seeing on your computer screen is because your brain is translating. But what if your brain processes that wrong and instead of seeing, you know, the Google Plus Hangout window, um, it sees a gun pointed at your face, right? Because your brain has a mental image of a gun. You dream. Your body, you know, if you think about your dreams, right? Your dreams are your brain processing, creating images, bringing things from its memory, uh, weaving a story together, and playing you a movie that you're a part of. Hey, I've seen the Matrix. Exactly. So the Matrix is kind of another way. That's what it would be like to be schizophrenic. You're in an well, that's oversimplifying, and and I'll talk about why. Okay, but um, there's what's called an illusion and a hallucination. One creates alternate realities. One distorts existing realities. And so we can talk about that. But a schizophrenic, basically what's happening is your brain is, is basically dreaming while you're awake. And you can't tell what's real and what's not real. And when that happens, it's extremely frightening. And so the most common type of schizophrenic is a paranoid schizophrenic because you're scared, right? Schizophrenics are terrified. And what what happens is, um, for example, uh, you frequently notice a schizophrenic because they're talking to themselves or they start laughing and we call that inappropriate laughter. Right. Or they suddenly say, get the hell away from me. You're like, whoa, dude, like chill. We're just like. Me? Like, who are you talking to? Do you see what I'm saying? There's a sudden, like, outburst or shut up, you know, and you're like, whoa, 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 (laughs) what's going on? And we call that responding to internal stimuli. No one else can hear voices, but they hear voices. And so hallucinations are when they um, hallucinate something that uh, isn't there. So, for example, um, they might hear a voice and uh that is there there are if you think of the five senses um this is the most common form of schizophrenia by the way or these are the most common uh experiences of someone who has schizophrenia um they they would hear things sounds voices or um uh noises like they might hear a car alarm they might hear a baby crying you always you always see people making fun of that like the baby's crying, you know, when they want to like joke around about a, a woman being crazy, but often they hear voices. And so when someone's laughing to themselves, it's usually because the voices are telling them funny things about people. So they're walking around interacting with the world and the world, you know, the voice is saying something like, Hey, check out that guy's flies open, you know, and they might look and see the guy's flies open when it's not. And they laugh, or they might be like, uh, it might then, just be telling Then jokes. That's got
1: to be just a real tough one to differentiate between that and possession.
2: It is. And I want to save that. Like, I just want to deal with straightforward schizophrenia today. But um, that that's the next podcast. Like, that's what we have to talk about in the next podcast. How do you differentiate between these things? Because there is a way to do it. And it's important that you do it. Right? You don't, you know, if just try. If the holy to
1: water bubbles on their skin, then it's possession.
2: Sorry. Well, absolutely, and I'm imagine now, you're schizophrenic and someone's casting a demon out of you, and you're just plain schizophrenic. What's that going to do to you? I All have right? no idea what that's going to do to you. You're schizophrenic. I, I've... It's it's going to freak the crud out of you, because now suddenly, you're like, you know, you're hallucinating, and now, you know, not only is the distorted reality scary, but now reality's scary, too. You know, someone's yelling at you, devil, come out of me. Now, now you're like, whoa, and Uh, Just a statistic for all of our listeners, by the way, 70% of hallucinations are religious in nature. So I have seen and met born-again Christians who um, told me that God told them to try to kill themselves. Because they're hearing voices. It sounds in their mind what God would sound like if God spoke to you. You Deborah kill yourself and they're like oh lord are you sure that's you yes it's me and Trust if me, your F. name is
1: deborah and you're listening to the podcast that was not god that
2: was peyton no that was not god at all you sit on a throne of lies oh <laughs> <laughs> well, we laugh at our own sound effects don't we so as you're as you're trying to think about this now imagine um, how many of you guys saw that movie the best movie about schizophrenia ever with, without question is beautiful mind and and the reason that movie was so brilliant is you're watching the film and you're caught up in his hallucination what what the director actually did is he brought you um, he brought you on the journey that schizophrenic people go through it's all believable. It's all credible. Um, these are people talking to you. You you don't know. It's not like suddenly like a dragon appears. It's just a normal dude. And he's acting how a normal dude would act if he were going to give you a top secret mission. But it's not all suspicious like the guy in the, you know, the men in black and the dark trench coat and the dark hat and the dark glasses, you know, comes out behind a tree and goes, Psst, Red Fox, are you a Red Squirrel? This is Red Fox. I have a package. It's like it, it's real. And so they they can't tell, and once once they start to to get caught up in it, it's very hard to come out of it, particularly because if you're on a secret mission, you know how do you know you're in on it? you know um that's why they paranoid schizophrenia is the most common because you're trying to tell them, "Hey, hey, this isn't happening, and you now are the break from reality for them, even though you're grounded in reality, you actually are the one that's not jiving with their reality. Does that make sense? Mm. Yep. And so um, when, when a schizo, you know, they can hallucinate. Number one, they hallucinate uh, auditory. And I said that they can, they can be telling them jokes. So when you're like watching a sad movie and someone's laughing, that's an extreme example. But maybe you're just hanging out in a conversation with, with a mixed group of people. <laughs> and if you're, and you're watching a
1: sad movie and I start laughing,
2: I'm not schizophrenic. I'm just finding something really funny.
1: <laughs> I got my doubts about you. But, but <laughs> in the sad moments, I'm finding something funny.
2: But, it, you know, and, and that's absolutely where I'm at, man. I, 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 absolutely. I have a very dark sense of humor and I laugh at inappropriate times. But inappropriate laughter is usually because they're responding again to something internal. And you can tell, you know, and, uh, and they talk. They're not talking to themselves. They're talking to the voices. So the voices might be saying something like, these people hate you or everybody's looking at you right now. And because they know, they know what you're really like. And so, so the, the, the majority of voices, like I said, the most common is auditory hallucination. And the, um, most common, uh, auditory hallucination is one of anger, not one of comedy. So, uh, that's very difficult, the voices often say to kill themselves. Um, imagine you're trying to get to sleep. You ever try to fall asleep and like the missus is talking to you and you're just like, just go to bed. Well, no. that's what it's like can't, to be a schizophrenic. To well, you can't tell, you know, you'll hear them go, shut up, shut up, because they're sick of it. They might have gone through their whole day and someone's whispering in their ear all day long. It's that's, hell. That's crazy. That would just drive me up the wall. And that's why with schizophrenics, you have a higher, there's uh, 15 to 25 years uh, life expectancy, uh, shorter life expectancy. And one of the reasons is because there's a much higher suicide rate. Um, many people try to kill themselves because they don't want to hear the voices. They might not even know that they're schizophrenic. They just know that they hear voices. And when you say, "Well, there's no voice," they're like, "You can't hear that? That's trippy." They're convinced, like, "You're not. You don't hear that." Yeah. <laughs> and so, the the number one place you want to get to with a schizophrenic, I'm not fast forward because I could talk about tactile hallucination, all your five senses, olfactory. Uh, hallucination. They always think the building's on fire because they, they feel the heat on their skin, um, they see the flames, and they smell the smoke. How hard is that, right? Um, so they're panicking. Um, they, they often don't see things that aren't real. So it's not like they're seeing a dragon. But some people do see monsters. Some people do see demons. Some people do see terrifying things. Um, we had a, a kid who would always see leprechaun. Remember that that eighties oh. horror flick? Yeah, he couldn't go with, into the uh, shower. Jennifer because, Aniston. Yeah, before the nose job. She had a and, nose job. Yeah, and it's very obvious when you go and watch Leprechaun um, that she had a nose job because she didn't have her nose job then. I'm gonna have to watch Netflix again. But you go, you go back. You know, or his brain would actually go into the shower, and something would trigger you know, in the shower and he would see leprechauns. So we, we, he had to have a sponge bath. He couldn't go into showers because leprechaun was in the shower and his mind always triggered leprechaun and leprechaun would try to kill him in the shower. And he was murderous. Um, he would try to kill people. He once uh, in a group got a hold during craft of a pencil and stabbed someone in the neck um, during group with a pencil. It was, it was really nasty. And he, he was murderous, and the voice was telling him to kill people. So that does happen. It's extremely rare, even among schizophrenics. And you're saying um, that that guy was schizophrenic and not demon-possessed? Um, it Um, is, it is most likely that he was schizophrenic from a very young age. He really? was given a steady diet of porn and horror by someone who was his biological father but was anything but a father. And, and here's the reality when you're dealing with the whole thing, how did they get this way? The jury's out. Nobody knows if it's nature or nurture. There have been twin studies done that have demonstrated that's ah, nature. Then there's been twin studies done that demonstrate it's nurture. So environment is, is, you know, uh, a factor, but you have to think of it this way. Let's say you do have a, there is a genetic connection with schizophrenia. Um, there's a, there's a, a, a predisposition. And what happens is your psychotic break, if if you're going to have it, stress is the number one key to all of this, um, whether or not you have a psychotic break. Um, for example, uh, it usually appears around teenage years. And there's usually what they call a trigger. And the trigger is usually a traumatic event. Now, imagine you've been raised in a family that has this predisposition. You most likely have been raised in a home, which itself has, has been unbalanced. So, okay, so you've got the nature, but now most likely you have the nurture. So what used to happen is we'd have on the on the adolescent unit, we'd have uh, family visiting night. And that was always an eye-opener because the, um, the family would come in and we'd be like, okay, the penny just dropped for me. I get you now. I understand why you are schizophrenic because mom is completely nuts and how, how could you have survived in this home and uh without being you know eventually breaking i, I remember one kid um i was doing his patient history and you ask him like you know when when did you first start and i remember his family was there his mom was there and his mom's lover and his mom's lover is a 17 year old kid was his best friend
1: Oh my gosh.
2: And when we did the patient history, we we're like, so when did this happen? And it came out that it was right about the time that mom started sleeping with the best friend and he had his psychotic break. Yeah, that'd do and, it. Uh, yeah, that would do it. And so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's tough stuff, man. So, okay, so let's get down. Let's bring it home. What do you do? with someone who's schizophrenic. Well, what I said earlier, and and I didn't finish saying it, what you want is for them to gain, and and this is the only, it's it's incurable, without the Lord. And I know everybody's been waiting for me on all these to say what the Lord can do. Well, God can heal anything, just like he he can heal the body.
1: Hey, if God can bring people back from the dead, then
2: he can heal. Absolutely. So, you know, if he heals depression, he heals anxiety. I mean, just even being a Christian is a big help, right? Um, there are things like we've talked about exercise There are physical things that you need to do. There are emotional things you need to do. There are social things you need to do. And there are spiritual things that you need to do, which all help. And any good psychiatrist will tell you this. But uh, But the spiritual thing is the secret weapon. God doesn't always heal cancer. He doesn't always heal broken bones. He can do. He doesn't always raise a dead. He sometimes does. And it's the same as psychiatric. And people that try to like lay the faith thing, well, it's because you didn't have enough faith. Look, I'm telling you, I've seen almost everything healed. And it's not a lay- lack of faith for me, And nor is that uh, helpful or good sound theology. Um, yes, I would say it's the uh, furthest thing from sound theology. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I, I think I mentioned that my mentor, his wife, had a schizophrenic break, and her story is heartbreaking. The stuff that she went through as a kid, uh, you know, when when stuff started, you know, her her father was schizophrenic, um, on and on, and then the, the environment she grew up in was horrific, and she had managed to, uh, you know, keep where she needed to keep. Never had a psychotic break, and and it, I'll never forget that uh, my mentor, uh, his name's Dan Berg, uh, he wrote a book about it. I highly highly recommend it. It's called Hard Faith. Um, you can buy it on Amazon. He writes about this where his wife, Doris, who was like a mom to me growing up, um, he came home one day and she was she was hugging a tree, literally out in the front yard hugging a tree, just screaming and crying. Now imagine you've come home from work. And your wife's and all the neighbor kids and everyone, you know, everyone's come out of their houses looking. And you know, someone's called you home. Hey, you got to come home. You know, your wife's out front. And 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 you know, he's like, "What's wrong?" And she's like, "I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell." And that that was her um, her her hallucination. She would would and and that's what's called a delusion, not a hallucination, but a delusion, which is a persistent belief in something that is not true. And so the delusion could be, um, I'm Apollos the sun god. I have magical powers. And I'll never forget being in the psychiatric hospital. I met a guy who worshipped Apollos and was convinced that Apollos appeared to him. And on the other wing, because I had floated, you know, different units on the other wing, there was a guy who thought he was Apollo. And I I'd never forget, I probably shouldn't have said but I said, Well you ought to go down on East Wing. Oh, no. <laughs> I just had a conversation with Apollos yesterday and he's like, He's here and I'm yeah, okay, that's bad. You never, ever feed into the delusion, but I, I couldn't resist making the joke. And then I told him, no, there's a man who's ill like you who thinks he's man And the guy's like, I'm not ill. Apollos appears to me. What are you talking about, brother? And, uh, you know, but, but anyway, so I watched Doris uh, Berg. She is 100% healed of her schizophrenia um, to the point where when a person with schizophrenia is, um, what we call baseline. They're, they're medicated and they're not currently psychotic. Um, they've got their grip back on reality. Um, they still present uh, at baseline like a schizophrenia. They might be emotionally withdrawn. The best, if you want to kind of do a field test of um, uh, mental illnesses, there's a couple movies. Obviously, Beautiful Mind is excellent. Um, because he's a guy who has a strong delusion and hallucinations, but who can carry himself normally. Um, But later on, you know, he gains what's called insight, where he realizes, I am ill. Once a schizophrenic person gains insight, they can be managed very, very easily. Now, Doris was healed. Just one day she woke up, and it was completely gone. And she was completely healed. And even her baseline... Um, I, ca- I can't tell as a psych nurse that she ever struggled with schizophrenia. And I'll tell you one thing Doris does um, 100% of the time, one, 100% of her day is she has a radio on in her kitchen and she takes every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus. It really impacted me. I went up to visit her not What long do you mean?
1: Ago. I don't understand. She's got a radio on in her kitchen.
2: Well, yeah. What I was going to say is she has worship music. And Bible teaching on 24 7 Mm. in her house. That's what she does. She, when she's, you know, cleaning the house or making dinner, she's worshiping God. She is listening. She's feeding her mind. Because the mind, if, if, you know, if you've ever had a job where you work with your hands, right? Um, I, I remember when I was a window cleaner and I had just been kicked in the crotch by, you know, the church that I pastored. It was right before I planted my, my first church. And I can remember just all day in my head, cleaning windows, just going over stuff and over stuff. And the bitterness and the... I was horrible. I hated that job. You should have I wasn't been listening to the brain. Church Planner podcast. I should have been. Podcasts didn't exist back then, believe it or not. Mm. But, uh, you know, the, the reality is, you know, she fills her mind. She fills her mind with the Lord constantly. And that really impacted me because I think anyone would benefit from that listening to good preaching and by the way christian radio is not always the the source of good preaching <laughs> or good theology telling you <laughs> yeah you just hear a guy's telling you you should and you ought to and you you know be and better America better hard do harder.
1: this or it's going to hell god's going to condemn it
2: Yeah, man, you get a hold of gospel preachers. You get some Matt Chandler in you, some John Piper, some Alistair Begg. You know, you get some of those guys in you, man, and 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 you'll be uh, you'll be well on your way to some some healthy gospel thinking. But um, but anyways, you know uh, what I was gonna say is you want to get the person to insight, and the number one way to minister to someone with schizophrenia is to build relationship of trust. And be gentle with them. Um, there's a bit of acting involved in dealing with mentally ill people. Like I said earlier, will you go boogie with the person uh, who's bipolar? In the same way, um, you smile at someone who has schizophrenia. You talk gently. You don't demand. You come along. You tr- you go out of your way to be their best friend. And you ask them questions. And you listen. And you nod. And you smile. And say, "How can I help you?" Um, you, you want to be gentle. You don't want to be the next stressor. You don't want to scare them. And by all means, never, ever feed a mogwai after midnight. No, I'm teasing. Never, ever touch a schizophrenic person, ever. Okay, uh, if, if I'm going to tell you one thing, I say be their best friend. Do not go up and put your arm around a schizophrenic person unless you want to get punched or scratched because uh, if they're paranoid schizophrenic, that is going to freak the crap out of them. So uh, you want to, you know, and also his, guys
1: named Pete Mitchell,
2: don't go up to them. Don't, don't put your do, arm I around them. I told you, I, don't I got my him. doubts about you, pal. Got my doubts about you. He doesn't build Here's deal the well. thing. <laughs> but you, uh, you never, you never want to do that. What, what you want to do is you want to talk gently. Uh, we didn't talk about all the stressors that you can go through as a person, but got to be careful making eye contact too. Um, it's good not to stare at them straight in the face um, because that's a threatening gesture too. Um, it's good not to it's good not to get in their space, their personal space. All the things are just common sense, right? Um, but talk, you know, don't raise your voice. You you stay calm and you say, John, you know, if their name's John, John. Uh, my name's Peyton. How can I help you? What are you calling through? And then it, it, once you get them, you know, down to you build relationship. I could I found with all my schizophrenic patients. I could pretty much, um, minister to them or deal with them if I always stayed calm and gentle and smiled and spoke in a soothing voice. And that's one of the things you need to do if they're in a psychotic break. You want them to get to insight and that's a much bigger, bigger question. It's probably going to involve therapy. Um, you know, but for you just managing them, that's what you need to do. And so hopefully that's helped you guys. And uh, that's about all we have time for today. So this has been the Church Planner Podcast. And we have been reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going, hop a train, and do what nobody's doing.
1: Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com.